0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.
1: Uh, With that, I'm going to transition us to um, continuing our Advent series, where we've been looking at the story of the birth of Jesus. So we're in our fourth Sunday, and you know that, because there are four candles lit, um, that's to let you know where we are at. Last night, Luann asked me, she said, what's what's the title of your sermon tomorrow? And I said, Advent week four. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was like looking for some creative direction on how to tie Kids Church in to the imagination of the sermon. Um, that's where we're going today It's Advent <laughs> week four. <laughs> Um any of you have any um Christmas holiday traditions at home? Right now this time of year? Can I hear can I hear some of them? Cuz I'm going to share one of mine. But yes, Justin. Yeah, to it's,
0: it's my
1: my parents, we really, I'm going to see my brothers. Okay. And, uh, um is come up to and see to so, and see brothers coming up family. Yeah. Yep, yeah. we yeah. see my brothers in the for Christmas um we get my brother the and the house, so. That's
0: awesome.
1: So, Christmas <laughs> Justin says Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Justin. Uh, anyone else? Gingerbread. Gingerbread. Mm-hmm. Cookies, house, latte? Everything. Gingerbread everything. Mm-hmm. All the gingerbread things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone else? Yes, Tasha. Mm-hmm. What is that? Oh, new pajamas, I love that. I don't, I've never owned a pair of pajamas. Y'all want to know, <laughs> <random laughs> I've never owned a pair of pajamas. There you go, you're welcome. Uh, thank you for time. Um, uh, anyone Anyone else? Yes. My family makes an audio recording every year. In, uh, Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, we've been doing it as a family for, you know, long before even I was born. So it's been a real dark couple
0: years of audio recording. <laughs> so mm-hmm.
1: Okay. <laughs> Predictions like, um, like Nostradamus, like this is in February. So are, like, yeah, know, are or like, give me some examples. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Justin. Justin's happy with that. Uh. Well, in our home, uh, every year, Luann puts together a homemade advent calendar. And I remember these when I was a kid because there was chocolates. But Luann is an artist, and so it's amazing. It's got, uh, it's like a Christmas tree with these different pouches, and the kids get to pick one out and their gifts, in each one. Um, and our daughters just get so um, excited. And if you know Luann and you know her creativity and her art, you'll know that it is fantastic. And we gather in the living room. And we've also incorporated into this tradition reading uh, a story from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, how many of you have read from the, uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible? And these stories are written with just this beautiful simplicity, and I find myself captivated by these stories year after year. And uh, the last two Sundays, we've had uh, uh, teachings uh, led by Adam and Abby, and both of these teachings have been beautifully simple i'm just going to read as an example just the podcast description from abby's teaching last week because just this one sentence you're like wow um this is the podcast description from abby's sermon last sunday this week uh imagine uh arrested development narrator here reading this as well if you want um this week abby defines gentleness as a withholding of force in the direction of good for the sake of love, and encourages us to be led and transformed by a gentle God. Um, like the description alone, it's it's so simple, but I feel like I could reflect, meditate, think on just that sentence for like an entire day, or maybe even an entire week. And so uh, if that sounds good to you and you missed the sermon last week, I think there's uh, 24 minutes and 6 seconds of that sentence expounded upon in last week's podcast. So uh, you can go and listen to that. And I think it's this this idea of the Advent story being so beautifully simple. It's one of the reasons I've always had a hard time with Advent sermons, because the the story is so beautifully simple. And as a preacher, we like to make things like a little bit overcomplicated sometimes, right? Um, At least I can fall into the trap of wanting to uh, over-explain things, not intentionally trying to over-complicate things. It's just like, where do I go? Y'all no, are like, yes, that checks, <laughs> that checks out. That's for, We fact-checked you on that hymn. That one checks out. Um, and so the Advent story, while it's, it's deep and we're able to find endless meaning, I believe, in this story, it's also not complicated. And so this morning, I'm going to try not to do that, and I'm going to bring us to a story uh, which is a part of today's lectionary reading, and um, it's a story from the book of Luke. And in a similar way uh, to Adam's uh, sermon a few weeks ago, we're going to explore this story alongside a work of art, and I'm going to invite you to participate in that. So y'all kind of preached Adam's sermon a couple weeks ago. Uh, didn't have to put as many hours in, because y'all did that work for him? Uh, I'm just kidding. uh it's actually sometimes harder to facilitate a conversation like that, but uh, y'all did a really good job of uh, preaching the sermon a couple weeks ago, and so I want to um, explore that together. and Hopefully, we'll be able to engage the beautiful simplicity of it and engage it. And I'm not really worried about it because y'all did good a couple weeks ago, but are you okay with participating with me a little bit? And we're gonna be reading a story from the book of Luke, chapter one, verses 39 through 45, and this is a story when Mary visits her uh, cousin Elizabeth. Now, um, this story you actually got to hear in Mandarin and English this morning, Sunshine and Mia. That really, I'm I'm really grateful that uh, you're willing to read that in Mandarin today, uh, Sunshine. I I was reflecting upon uh, one of the first uh, days I met you, and it was back when we were Uh, having church at the Palace Nine on Shelburne Road, and you had baby Mia with you, and uh, now being able to hear uh, this story from the book of Luke in Mandarin, just like after all these years, it's about 10 years uh, later, just really blessed me, and so I'm grateful for you, Sunshine. Thank you for being uh, willing to read that story for us. So we're going to turn back to that story. And uh, rather than overcomplicating things and giving y'all an um, explanation of like the background of this story, I'm going to sh- show a short two-minute clip from the Bible Project, their media organization that puts together these really fantastic uh, Bible study videos that you can kind of access for free um, on the internet, basically, and that you want to find like a video, like YouTube. And um, so I'm going to show that clip, and it's going to explain <coughs> the background of this story a little bit.
0: The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In the city is the temple run by the priests, and one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John. And then he says that the son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yes, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. There we find a young woman named Maria, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be Mary. And then an angel appears to Mary, saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means, the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David, who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name girl to the future mother of the king. Those videos are, uh, are
1: awesome. Um, and so as we read this story, um, I'd like to introduce our work of art for the morning. The artwork is titled Visitation, or uh, visitazione in Italian. Um, the, the Italians in the room are really offended with me right now. And it was painted in 1503 by Mariotto Bertinelli. Um I didn't practice that. <laughs> Fact checks as well. Okay, Uh, Visitation by Albertinelli uh, in 1503. So it was during the Italian Renaissance, and you'll see it has that kind of like classic feel of that era as well. And so let's read uh, Luke uh, 1, 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So what I'm hoping we could do right now is uh, if we could put the, actually, yeah, you can keep it up just like that. Um, I'd love for us to explore this scripture, this story together alongside this work of art. And for that, I'll, I'll just have some like prompting questions and you can shout out uh, you don't have to raise your hand. If you want to raise your hand you feel more comfortable doing that, you can do that as well. Um, and let's just have a conversation about this story. Can we do that? Are we all right with that? Yes. Um, so first, uh, when you first saw this image, what are some of the first things that jumped out to you? Like what caught your attention? Um, general observations. How did it make you feel? First thoughts. They're close. Intimacy. Intimacy. Yeah. They
0: both have a sense of wonder.
1: They both have a sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. Yes. In subject to can you explain that a little bit more
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, lower in kind of the position the makeup of the painting yeah let's let's uh turn our attention then a little bit to the characters in this painting let's first uh turn to elizabeth what are what are some of the things we notice about El- elizabeth who would be here um on on our right Uh, just to repeat, in case y'all didn't hear that, her shawl is um, looking really like glorious and rich. And the the what is that thing called? The veil. A veil. A veil. Um, I always have to ask my wife what things are called, and I still get oh, like, wrong. Those tights are leggings. <laughs> my daughters tease me. A veil. Uh, how it's a little bit torn, so you have kind of like a, a contrast there. Yeah, anything else? Any, any other uh, observations? Things you notice about Elizabeth? Well, I me think about her age. Like, the her fact age. that she's aged and yet this glorious. Like, new, new life is in her. Mm-hmm. That that, and that it's, like, not just new life. It's at
0: the, at the word of God. She's been given new life. Mm-hmm.
1: She's been given new life. Do you think that is kind of, like, reflected in her? Yeah. I love that. That's great. Any other? Yes. Her hand on Mary is very motherly to me, very comforting
0: in a motherly
1: way. Her hand is very comforting in a motherly way. Yeah. I'd agree. Kind of drawing in. Mary's in, but this is like it's like reaching for what Mary is. What about um, where she's looking? I need glasses. So, but if you were to see this close up and have good eyesight, <laughs> can any of you see where she's looking? Mary looks. Mary looks a little tired. I mean, with with child, traveling to another town, likely not in a Subaru. Uh,
0: that
1: that that would make sense uh, that she would be. Higher, yeah. Her eyes are not open all the way, maybe looking down downwards towards her stomach. And and if I don't, it's kind of like these lights here are horrible. They show, like shine on the screen, so you can't see see the painting perfectly. Um, but if you're to see it uh, crisply, you'll see that uh, Elizabeth is gazing very intently um, directly at Mary. Um, so they're kind of gazing toward one another, but. She uh, Elizabeth, kind of staring straight at her. Uh, I think someone mentioned the word "meet earlier. Um, yes, Luann. Yeah, it seems as though they're both experiencing like this miracle together. Hmm. Now let's let's maybe turn to um to Mary then for a second since we already did y'all skip ahead in my notes don't ever do that again I'm just joking. that's amazing do that all you want um is there anything else we notice about Mary.
0: Security. She looks almost angelic to the universe. The, hmm.
1: the scripture talks about how she hurried to the to Elizabeth, and so obviously. Is mm. that dynamic as well it's like finding someone who will believe her? In. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Anything we all else we notice maybe where where are um where are Mary's hands? What what might we notice about that? I wonder if her heart was beating in that moment, like. Her right arm looks a bit rested, you know, like not lifted up with like a lot of strength, just Just enough to, like, hold Elizabeth's hand. What what are some other things? uh, Is there anything else we notice about the painting? Even if it's, like, it doesn't have to be a a detail. Maybe it could be something about, what what does this painting make you feel or or think about? Or how, how do you think it might relate to the story that
0: we read as well?
1: a welcoming acceptance in this moment i
0: love that we saw the picture of um, mary and eve they were in an arch symbolized like a new beginning here we see another arch just sort of reinforcing that that motif of mm-hmm. uh, like yeah there's a
1: triangle symbolizing Someone mentioned um, earlier that the, this like back and forth that was going on between the two of them. Um, there's this there's this mutuality. Someone mentioned that the stature of Elizabeth was a little bit, well, I think those of you actually mentioned, um, that the stature, her stature is a little bit less than Mary's in the painting. She's in the foreground, a little bit further in the foreground and kind of below Mary, and yet Mary also has this posture of uh I need you too, like this embrace is is meaningful for this moment as well. I hey, think someone over here might have wanted to say something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, okay. Yeah, go in. what's that connection connecting to uh, what we heard earlier. I was thinking the same thing,
0: Um, Lydia. Yeah, even with that like triangle shape of both
1: of them leaning into this, um, like this impossibility of like Mary's like a virgin and everything,
0: Elizabeth,
1: Anyone else? Any other general thoughts? Yeah. Both of their garments appear to be royal. There's the royal blue, there's the gold. And so they are humble people, but they are, in this they're totally in the garments of royalty. There's like a humility to them that they have this and The loyalty. Yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah, some great thoughts. Yeah, I actually, because remember, Petrie do like to overcomplicate things. I did read a little bit about this painting, this era, and some of these colors. And a lot of uh, the the visitation, this is actually depicted um, a few other times by some other artists. And so you can look up um, Raphael. had a really interesting painting and he also has Mary clothed in blue um, and a lot of historians would say that in this era that was used in, in these paintings to uh, depict uh, to in, in reference to the same color of cloth that was placed over the Ark of the Covenant in the Book of Numbers in which they would carry um, what they believed where the presence of God was um, and so you see here Mary same color that the Ark of the Covenant worked in draped in um, And this gold also um, being symbolic of royalty, but also um, specifically um, a color associated with um, the line of Aaron. Um, and you look at Zechariah and Elizabeth's um, heritage and how they came from a, a, a line of priests from the line of Aaron. Um, so yeah, definitely, I think there's intentionality there with the colors and what they're wearing, for sure. Um, yeah, these are, these are all awesome. I think I heard intimacy. Um, there's a, a weightiness. There's like a, a gravitas, like an importance look in their expressions, right? You can see a little bit. There's maybe a little smile there on each of their faces. But someone mentioned Mary looks a bit tired, um, worn down. And, and there's certainly this look in Elizabeth's face of, uh, of the importance of that moment. Um, here, here's some, some ways uh, I am challenged and encouraged by this painting um, and this biblical story uh, as as Luann mentioned, relating this to uh, that idea that we heard about when Keegan was sharing about the dad built, that the story highlights that we are made for community. Ma- Mary and Elizabeth aren't only sharing this pregnancy with one another, but they're sharing their present burdens and joy with one another, right? They're sharing their future hopes and dreams. And uh, I, I can't help but. Uh, Be challenged by this uh, in reminding me that um, of the power of what it means to be seen, right? I I think there's there's probably this moment that they're both experiencing, but at least kind of in this picture and the way that I see it, in that uh, just to imagine for a moment, and maybe if you have anything to share, the power uh, of what it must have felt like to be married in this scene and to be seen. Perhaps someone mentioned in a moment when she was uh, in, in a culture and a context where she would not have been uh, believed. I think there's all sorts of things we can draw from that, but um, certainly one of them is this, this power to be seen. Um, maybe, maybe someone wants to speak to that. What does it mean to be seen? How can that change you to feel seen, to feel heard? to feel that you are uh, someone else is with you. I think it's cool how like the
0: scripture says that they were both obviously seen by God. Mm-hmm. And yet there's still this need to like be seen by someone else.
1: Yeah. So. they're both seen by God, like the scripture is clear and yet there's also this uh, this power behind being seen by another as well. And God kind of sets it up in a way that I think only God could in this narrative, which is interesting.
0: It's pregnant before your wedding, today,
1: Like, to be pregnant before she's actually, well, she's not yet married to Joseph, right? Like, she's probably the subject of a lot of scorn and shame. Yeah. It's not just that she's pregnant and the burden of that, but also her head's probably downcast having to wrestle with a lot of shame. So for, for Elizabeth to kind of get beneath her and to sort of lift her eyes up mm-hmm. is part of that encouragement mm-hmm. that Luann was talking about too. I think. Mm-hmm. That's
0: it's really interesting to me that both of them had experienced
1: like the miraculous, like Mary had been visited by an angel and
0: um, Elizabeth, her husband had been visited by an angel and she had become
1: um, and that wasn't enough. The miraculous wasn't enough. It was still needed that community you're talking about. Yeah, Abby mentioned both both being uh, beneficiaries of the miraculous in their life, and yet there is still this need for, I guess, one way you could say it is flesh and blood, right? Yeah. How was
0: known? for Mary, that, that voice, that
1: that acknowledgement of what God had told her through a person. Yeah. And seeing that angel, right? Yeah. Much of an yeah, that's why I might that's why I've thought maybe her her hand is here hearing that word, like, oh my. I wonder if she doubted anything that had happened prior to that moment before and you have someone else speaking that same thing that she had heard to her. Um, uh, another thing I see in this painting, the, the wisdom in multi-generational community. Uh, we, we live in, or the, we have a, a gathering for our worship here in Burlington, Vermont, it's really, really young uh, city, and yet I, uh, I'm so grateful that God has um, blessed our church community with a, a, a multi-generational, community. And there's support um, and wisdom that I think goes back and forth. There's this honoring of this new life, and yet there's this wisdom um, as well. In uh, There's this wisdom found in multi-generational uh, community. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this before we transition is uh, that the genesis of a life of following Jesus, which to me Uh, john the baptist who would then prepare the way for jesus in the gospel of luke luke is kind of like setting the stage right for what we're going to see later on in the story the genesis of a life of following jesus is a joyful response that's where it starts it's a joyful um, response and i can't help but think about that in this advent season and how the genesis of a life following Jesus is joyful response, and so the baby leapt in Elizabeth's room with joy. I just love that detail, and uh, I, I think one of the beautiful things about this story as well is this story doesn't ignore pain and suffering and burden. In fact, they're a large part of the story as well, and so this is. This is the type of joy that doesn't ignore it, but is there present and growing and blooming and offering light in the darkness. And Jordan mentioned in his welcome this morning as as we sang a few Christmas hymns, uh, that last hymn we sang, um, I I just wanna, uh, one of the lines jumped out to me and I just wanna share it because um, I, I think it could be meaningful to some of us in this season as well, but it was disperse the gloomy clouds of night, disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. And I couldn't help but reflect on this story that we we're going to explore together, and I couldn't help on reflecting upon how there are probably um, many of us now who uh, the gloomy clouds of night or death dark shadows would be pretty good descriptions of uh, some of the things we're going through right now. And I just want to let you know um, that the Advent good news, the good news in the Advent story is that that pain, that suffering, uh, you're not just invited into cheery uh, joy to the world Christmas hymns, um, but that God wants to meet you exactly where you are, um, and, and bring light to your soul. And it doesn't mean that the pain is not there, the suffering is not there, the darkness is not there, but that the good news that we are confronted with, with the birth of Jesus is one that disperses the gloomy clouds of night and death, dark shadows are put to flight. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've brought us here together in this place to be the type of community um, where we can experience the power of what it means to be seen by another. To hear the word that you have seen us, that you have seen us in our pain and our suffering in whatever burden we're carrying this season, um, that you see us and that you've placed us um, amongst a group of other people uh, who who are here to see us as well. But we also pray that we would be the type of community, the type of church who is known as one where others are safe to be seen. that you, you would move us not only to see one another but those um, outside of our community as well. We thank you for the power of this story. We thank you uh, for the model of Mary and Elizabeth who they shared one another's burdens and they shared one another's joy um, with each other and they became your vehicle um, for one of the other to be seen God. So help us to be that type of church. In Jesus' name
0: we pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.